Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's a maximum. Oh, it's brilliant. Taken away by Wicks. Let's see Stamford shot. Oh, brilliant. The Pogba. Oh, what a finish. Came out to Jimenez. Pick that one out. What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard. Oh, thumping finish. The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's game week 11 and you know what that means. We are back with another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. I know I've been away for a while, almost a month now. Um, I was listening in. I did hear Guy and Dave and they, and they did a fantastic job covering for me. But they were starting to plan some sort of coup. Um, so I had to come back and put a stop to that. Um, they're not taking over the show. They tried. They failed. And I'm back. Um, and I'm joined by one of the OG guests of A Tad Predictable. Jake, welcome back to the show. Yes, good good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> I think I'm uh, unsufficiently um, refreshed as well to come back and try and do some predictions. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we hadn't had the infamous Banquet or Burnet for a while, and we kind of teased before I went away that we would be bringing it back. And I thought, look, let's bring Jake back in. Um, he was the original guy on the leaderboard, you know, that that had that lead for quite a while before it got taken from him. And, you know, maybe we'll talk, you know, some Newcastle news, see where they are. And then lo and behold, <laughs> Jake, you end up being the perfect guest because it kind of blew up in Newcastle. It has blown up at Newcastle. I mean, we're still yet to win a match all season. But <laughs> minor details, like, minor details. That is my, minor. <laughs> you know, we we do follow the sport of football, but who really needs to win on the pitch when you can have so much <laughs> entertainment and criticism and 
all the news that goes off the pitch. So yeah, Newcastle's always a, always been a fun club to follow. They've always always stories in Newcastle, and yeah, especially at the moment, there's loads of loads loads of drama now. Obviously, you you will have extended you know opinions and and thoughts on what's been going on not just newcastle but we know tottenham hotspur they did let go of nuno they've hired antonio conte there's been so much going on in the league newcastle are primed to be bringing in a manager maybe then just briefly before we get into the fixtures this week what are your thoughts on one Newcastle and if if they're going to bring in a manager anytime soon? Um, they keep teasing that it's it's close, but Spurs have gotten rid of one and got a new one in before you guys have, have even finalised one. Yeah, but I mean they have, but I think that's an un- it's an unfair comparison to make because they they tried to get Antonio Conte in the summer and failed and led a three month managerial search. Then, so I'm not surprised that they've now got one a lot quicker. Uh, whereas this is, you know, Newcastle's new owners don't really have much history in football. They're sort of finding their feet, uh, talking to a lot of people. So it's always going to be a slower process. But I think that both teams are going to have a new manager in charge this weekend. That's my personal take on it. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute with Newcastle. But yeah, I, I don't think that Antonio Conte will be the only new manager this weekend. Your first prediction of the podcast. We haven't even got into the fixtures yet. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I thought I'd come in strong. <laughs> well, let, let's continue that good form. Uh, obviously, this week we've got a Friday kickoff, so all of those FPL players, make sure you get your teams in before that Friday deadline. Uh, we start the weekend off with Southampton versus Aston Villa. Now, obviously, two clubs who I think it's fair to say would have been disappointed with their start this season. Um Southampton, though, getting that win last week against Watford, the 1-0 win, what have you made of Southampton so far this season? And what are you expecting from this game against the Villa side who's, you know, if we're speaking of managers, um, they've got a manager that's probably now top of the chopping block list at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I think Southampton have slowly um, found form this season. I think they started slow. But I think uh, Livramento has been a really good signing from Chelsea. Also, Broha, who they got on loan from Chelsea. So, two sort of Chelsea academy graduates, one on loan, one permanently, have both looked really good. Um, I think that um, Hassan Hutu is, is such a good coach. You can just see how well drilled Southampton are, um, the amount of distance they cover. Um, he, you know, they, they have had defensive problems, but they seem to fix those. They've had a couple of clean sheets recently. Um, they look a lot more solid and they're also carrying the threat going forward. So, they, yeah, they look really good. They look back to getting close to their best, uh, back to their best. Uh, and they also had to sort of deal with the loss of Danny Ings, who may or may not be facing them this weekend, injury depending. So, um, yeah, they've had a lot to deal with. And I think that Southampton, uh, for many, might have been one that we that, that we thought might get relegated this season, but they seem to have been uh, turned a corner recently. So, yeah, they're, they're, they, for me, are probably the favourites going into this one. I've not been that impressed with Villa. You know, they did a lot of eye-catching transfer business, but if you look at Danny Ings, uh, Leon Bailey and Emmy Buendia, um, all big losses for for the teams they came from, but they've not really come close to filling the gap uh, left by Jack Grealish. I think that those three cl- players to come in to replace Grealish just haven't really worked so far. I think that Villa are trying to adapt to a style that is it, you know, before they used to go completely through Jack Grealish. Every time they got the ball, let's try and find Grealish and he'll make something happen. Whereas now they're trying to find a more of a balanced approach and I'm not sure it's working. Um, they got a couple of wins near the start of the season. 
but yeah, they they haven't really been that good. They they had a, a run with sort of a three five two formation, so they could pair Watkins with Ings, and that looked okay. They got a good result at Manchester United. Played well at Chelsea despite a loss, but looking back at the Manchester United game, you know, we see where Manchester United are now under Solskjaer. So maybe that result wasn't as good as it looked at the time. So yeah, um, I'd probably lean towards Southampton this one. Uh, I'm more confident about them going. Uh, for the next few months and yeah I think that Dean Smith I'd, I'd have to agree is probably the next one on the chopping block I can't see Villa sort of uh, accepting this for much longer and I don't think it'll be a, a slight on Dean Smith either I think he's done well at Villa for a good three four years now but I think maybe it's just reached its uh, expiration date there and uh, a change would be beneficial for everybody so yeah I'm going to tip Southampton this one I might go they'll go 2-0 Southampton I think that um, they're at home they're, they've been winning a few matches recently keeping a couple of clean sheets so yeah I think they're going to continue that yeah and you know a couple of wins in their last three games two two wins and a draw um, as you said they've started to improve quite a bit um, and which is always impressive for me with Hasenhutl is no matter how bad it gets there He's always able to, you know, get things back on track, which not many man- managers can do. Many times we've seen, you know, managers lose the dressing room or lose faith from the dressing room and it just goes completely wrong. So credit to him for, for steering the, the ship again. And then also, you know, I'm I'm always a fan of Hassan Hutel being in the league because he definitely keeps the, the standards for the dress sense of managers pretty high, in my opinion. Um and yeah, so as, as long as he's in the league for a while, I, I think I think that's a good thing. In terms of this match, yeah, four losses in a row for Aston Villa. It it seems like the writing is on the wall for Dean Smith. Unfortunately for him, I'm gonna go one nil. I'm I'm not as confident in Southampton getting more than one goal in this game, but you know considering the last few games that Aston Villa have played, they have been leaking goals. But I I just think. 1-0 win for Southampton. They keep the winning momentum going. Aston Villa will then hopefully see if they can turn it around sometime soon. Um, we move on to a team that did turn it around this past weekend and in emphatic fashion. It's Man United. They will be hosting Man City in the Manchester derby. I mean, if they needed a, a, a sort of a comeback result after that Liverpool game, that Spurs game gave them what they needed. Um, was it more how good Man United were or, you know, in hindsight, how bad Spurs had become? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, I thought the, the formation change for Manchester United worked quite well. I thought Cavani played very well uh, as part of the front two. And, and at the time of the recording, we are recording it slightly ahead of their, their game of the Champions League against Atlanta. But I've seen the team for that and they've continued with two up front with Rashford next to Ronaldo with three at the back. So maybe they're going to continue with that and maybe that will give them a little bit more balance in central areas. So, yeah, I mean, this could be completely out of date by tomorrow if they've lost that Champions League game. But, you know, it, it gives them something to build on. Um, and, and they seem to be they moved closer back to that sort of counter-attack in football uh, that they've that's worked so well under Solskjaer before. So, yeah, against City, that's what they're going to need to do. But Solskjaer's got quite a good record against Man City uh, when he's been in charge. I think he, he, I think it's a fixture that they'll be looking forward to. There's a lot of big match players in that Manchester United team, and I'm sure that they'd love to uh, sort of put a statement down and, and make it back-to-back Premier League wins because they did play well last weekend. And um, yeah, I, th- I, I wouldn't completely rule them out of it, but I can't see City losing two Premier League games in a row. I think that. Palace game was a bit of a freak result. 
uh, Palace did play well, but then, you know the man getting sent off when he did didn't help, and the, the goal, the first Palace goal, was a bit of an individual error. So yeah, it's um, I wouldn't read too much into that as, as a standalone game, but yeah, I, I think they'll be desperate to sort of bounce back from that and, and get back in amongst the title picture. So yeah, I could see, I think they, we're going to see them go to to Old Trafford and win. I, I don't see there being too much of an issue this weekend for them. Um, I think that although Manchester United have good players, with there's still something not right under Solskjaer, and they, they're still, you know, Tottenham immediately sacked their manager and, and appointed Conte last weekend. So I don't think we can really buy into that they, they beat a you know a very good Spurs team, but quite a poor one. Um, so yeah, I think that I want to see a little bit more from Manchester United. Although I have you know I'm positive about the formation change. I think it could work well. I also think that it's too soon to to really get behind them. So I'll, I'll tip City to win this one. Um, probably say 3-1. I could see, you know, Ronaldo maybe getting a goal, but I think that Manchester City will be too strong and, and have too much attacking quality. Well, my fantasy team definitely thanks you for that one Ronaldo goal, and, and I would take it. Um, look, my worry, and, and you mentioned the big-name players that are in that Man United squad, and I do agree. Against Spurs, they went back to the more tried and tested of being a little bit deeper, going on the counter-attack and banking on the talent that they have to to be you know clinical in front of goal, and they've got bags of that. But my worry is if the likes of Ronaldo, those big-name players that you mentioned, the likes of Bruno Fernandes, if they go back to what seemed to be a ship, like it to me, it seemed like the players decided they were going to press Liverpool because you know we're playing Liverpool at home, we can't we can't have them coming here and you know showing us up type of thing. We're going to press them as much as they press us. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like Oli was not endorsing that type of tactic, but the players just went with it. And, you know, we look at the big name player, the biggest name player there in Cristiano Ronaldo, and you wonder if he had a big influence in them going that way. And if you saw the way they pressed against Liverpool, you know, you're playing against a club that's been doing it for over five years now under Jurgen Klopp. In, in, in they're very systematic with not only their pressing, but then being able to understand when another team is pressing them and how to avoid that. Now, Liverpool played Man City earlier this season, and even Liverpool struggled to press Man City, and we know how well Liverpool press. Now, if the likes of Ronaldo come again with this attitude of let's go and press, you know, it's a big game. We want to show that, you know. And the thing is, it's a home game. The crowd are going to be up for it. It's very easy to get caught up in the emotion of the pressing, um, especially if you see Liverpool's first goal in that Man United-Liverpool game. Man United pressed, in inverted commas, Liverpool all the way back to their goalkeeper. So it went from in Man United's half, they pressed them all the way back to goalkeeper. But because they didn't know necessarily how to press um, at, at the level that the likes of a Man City or Liverpool do it, it just left too many holes. And I'm worried that might happen again against City. And for me, if Liverpool are struggling to press City, Man United could get absolutely destroyed by City if they employ something like that. I hope for their sake that they put their pride aside, sit deep, try and, you know, 
cover all the spaces in terms of we know City likes to play in spaces in and around the box. You stick with the McTominay Fred center midfield pairing i know it's not ambitious but this isn't the game to try and be ambitious you sit back and then you're just basically hoping that a ronaldo or cavani is clinical when you do get your chances because i i'm worried that they're going to try and play against city and and that's not going to end well and because of that i i'm gonna go for one city um i i i'm worried that ronaldo and the likes are going to want to play in this game is that a a factor for you Yeah, yeah, it's a factor. I definitely agree with the press and thing. They were a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit <laughs> poor against Liverpool. It was definitely a, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a team press. It definitely seemed to be individuals going out and trying to to do everything themselves. And when you know a press only works if it if the team does it. If if individuals start to try it, you just pull yourself out of position, make it so easy for the opposition. Maybe I could see that happening again. Um, and yeah, for now, I I think that they won't make that same mistake again. I think they've seen what happened against Liverpool. And I can't I can't see them delivering the same performance again. Um, I think that you know the big players might play, but I think that you know they against Spurs they were, they're a little bit more system based. They weren't run. They were definitely um, better drilled, and they weren't trying to go out for themselves. So I think that they would do similar against Man City. I think that. Um, They'll they'll know they can't do another Liverpool. So I think I I can see why you you'd be worried, but I think they're all too professional and too you know they're too good a player to to pull that out again. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. If you're a Man United fan, that that's the case. Um, but we move on to the two promoted sides or two of the three promoted sides in Brentford versus Norwich. Now. These are two sides that have come up at the same time, did well in the championship last season, but have had very different seasons in the Premier League. Um, Brentford obviously faring a lot more favorably than Norwich. What have you made of Brentford so far this season? And of course, Norwich and, and how you see this game going. Now bear in mind, Norwich are the official, uh, the unofficial official club of the podcast this season we're, we're fighting relegation at the moment it, it's a it's a long season we're only 10 games in you know you have to play everyone twice and and luck hasn't been on our side but you never know we we could turn it around um yes possibly <laughs> <laughs> they've also scored three goals and they've, con- they've scored the least and conceded the most and that's never a good recipe <laughs> I mean, that is, you're only going one way when you're doing that. So, yeah, I think Norwich, I think they look worse than they did when they were last in the Premier League, which is going quite quite some distance. They lost a key player in Emi Buendia. Last year, a lot of their play went through Buendia, so I don't think they properly replaced him. And I think it's really hurt them. Similar, it's a, it's an even more magnified loss than, than Grealish is to Aston Villa because Villa still have quite a lot of good players, whereas I don't think Norwich do. I think they brought in some good players during... January, uh, during the summer but they're all quite untested and they're still finding their feet and yeah I think they're going to be too far adrift before they get it together unfortunately um, but you know this weekend's a good 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 opportunity for them they're playing against a team that they they should know well they've played against them quite a few times in the last few seasons they came up together they finished above them last year in the, in the, in the championship so maybe they'll go into it and think that this is a game they can win and Brentford have lost three on the bounce now I think they're sort of um 
bounce after the playoffs has worn off. I think that they they will drop down closer to the relegation zone now. I think um, so. Yeah, it. I'm going to tip a draw in this one. I think it might be nil nil. I think it's going to be uh, a nervy affair. I think Norwich will know they have to. They really have to win it. Uh, I think Brentford will know they can't really afford another loss. And they might be quite nervy. And yeah, I think I'm going to tip a a nil nil draw and uh, Norwich to get. Uh, a clean sheet, but yeah, again, failed to get on the score sheet. Oh, yeah, it's it's been it's been trying to get the goals. That's the thing. Uh, last time Norwich came up, at least they had Pookie at the start, um, and obviously this season he's not been the same player in terms of just being clinical in front of goal. And they've not really had a, anyone else to come up and and chip in with the goals. Creativity as well is a bit lacking. Yeah, it's it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long season, and against the Brentford side, who have suffered some some injuries to some key players. Obviously, the big one recently was the injury to the goalkeeper. Does that affect? You know, we'll see whether that continues their losing slide down the table. I mean, you mentioned three losses in a row. We'll see if they can stem the bleeding here against Norwich. It's the perfect team to be playing when you've had three losses in a row just to kind of get your form back or at least some sort of confidence from the game, unfortunately, for Norwich uh, fans. Ivan Tony is due a goal. I mean, guys, like <laughs> he does everything that you want from your forward um, just in terms of fantasy relevance. Um, and you can see clearly I, I play fantasy in that I had him in my team. I just had to get rid of him just because for a fantasy player, he wasn't producing. But in terms of what he brings to the team, I think he's been really good for them this season. And I'll be surprised if he's still with Brentford next season. Um, you've got nil nil. I'm going to go one nil Brentford. I, 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 I predicting an Ivan Tony goal in this one, I think... He is G1, and I think it's the perfect opposition to get your goal in. Um, we'll move on to a team that hasn't been having that same problem in terms of goals and, you know, just getting goals and conceding goals equally. They probably are the exact opposite of Norwich in that perspective, and they're actually just one goal off. So Norwich have scored three goals. They've conceded 25. Chelsea have scored 26 and conceded three. So one goal off in terms of that mirror image. They come up against a Burnley side who they got a win finally um, this past week. And it was against the side we just mentioned before Brentford in a 3-1 win. Is this the, the, you know, Burnley starting to wake up a bit? We know under Dyke sometimes they are slow starters, but usually come end of the season, they're, they're fine. Um, is this that time of the season where they do start to wake up and, and it helps them kind of secure their their stay in the Premier League? Definitely could be. Uh, I think with Burnley, they're quite a streaky team. Uh, and there's always a point in the season where, They'll be in the relegation zone and then you'll look again and they've kept four successive clean sheets and taken 10 points out of 12. And maybe this is that run now. They've got the win. Um, they're definitely capable of going to Chelsea and frustrating them and, and getting something. Uh, I think with Chelsea, they've, they've, they think it's impressed me so much watching Chelsea beat Newcastle last weekend where Newcastle sat in, we sat in, we weren't really trying to play. We frustrated them for about 65 minutes, but... Chelsea don't just have one way of hurting you. They work, you know, they they're not a team that just go 
oh, we'll keep going to the box and try intricate passes. They'll do that for a bit and they'll go, oh, that's not working. We'll go for crosses. Oh, that's not working. We'll go a bit more direct. They've got so many ways of hurting you that I think that most teams are going to struggle. Um, I think that teams will frustrate them for periods, but I just, it's going to be tough to, to frustrate them for 90 minutes. And yeah, I could see... I reckon we're going to see a narrow Chelsea win here. I don't think it's going to be a lot of goals. Uh, a 2-0 sort of routine home win um, with Burnley sort of playing well and playing their part. But yeah, I, ca- I can't see Burnley getting anything from it. Chelsea just looks so relentless at the moment. Um, they've got so much strength and depth. That they can rotate their squad. You know, they've, they've had Lukaku and Werner missing for the last few weeks. Pulisic as well. Mount missed last week. And they just, and, and Kovacic too. You know, they're playing players missing. They just came and this emphatically beat Newcastle. I know we've got our own problems at the moment. We haven't won a game, but just the manner they did it, um, they they just got so many different ways to to hurt a team uh, similar to Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, those three teams have, have the same qualities and attack, and it's going to be difficult for the rest of the seventeen teams against those three clubs. It's going to be difficult. There will be days like Palace beating um, City last weekend and Brighton for straight Chelsea. But I think they're going to be the exceptions rather than the rule. And I think, yeah, Chelsea this weekend will win 2-0. And, yeah, it'll be a, they'll go into the international break and have some time to get players back um, for what is going to be a harder run after the international break. They have just played Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley in a row, which are the, the, the three current teams in the bottom three. So, um, yeah, they're not. it's going to get harder. But, yeah, I can't see them dropping points this weekend. I think the important thing for them is they're beating the teams they need to be beating, um, which is always a good sign when you're going for, especially securing top four, but then also going for a league. Maybe that's when some of the bigger games, you need to be winning those as well. But at at, at the moment, they're, they're beating the teams they should be beating. And emphatically, I think the, the issue for Burnley in this game is how stingy Chelsea have been in you know giving up goals. As I said, three goals, conceded all season in in the 10 games that they've played they're so hard to break down will the physicality of Burnley maybe you know mess with Chelsea a little bit here to me I don't know maybe if it's just um, the Chelsea of old sneaking in here but I think they can match the physicality of Burnley I, I don't I don't see that causing Chelsea too much of a problem and Burnley just come unstuck in this one so I'm going to go with the clean sheet as well for Chelsea in this one but I'm going to go with a 3-0 uh 3-0 Chelsea win so just one more than you you have given them I do think that the movement of the Chelsea forwards especially without having a Lukaku or a Werner up front it's going to be more fluid and cause Burnley I think uh, quite a few problems in that one We'll move on to our fifth game um, of this weekend. It's Crystal Palace, the side you mentioned a bit earlier on. They obviously get that big win against Manchester City last weekend, coming up against a Wolves side who are probably the most informed team in the league You know, over the last five games. They've got four wins and one draw, which is the best record in, in the last five games. This could be a really fun game, Jake. Yeah, I think this is it's probably the underrated game of the, the weekend. I think both teams are coming in in good form and with plenty of momentum. Both try and play good football. Um, I think the the job that Patrick Vieira has done at Palace in such a short space of time to integrate so many players and change the style of play has been so impressive. Um, they've only won three games, but they, you know, they've picked up back-to-back um, 
they've only won twice even they've only won twice but they, they've just beaten City and um, yeah they'll take so much uh, positivity from that knowing that they can go and go and beat you know the current champions in the league um, and the way they did it as well they managed the game really well um, even when City went down to 10 minutes it's still difficult to to play against City they're just so fit and talented and know they're all so well that even with 10 men they they would manage to beat most teams in this league so for Palace to hold on to that lead and to go and get a second as well it was really impressive um, I think Zaha going back into the team he, he's He's definitely gonna enjoy playing the system. Michael Elise keeps coming off the bench, uh, coming off the bench, and, and making little contributions. I think he's somebody that's gonna grow and grow as the season goes on. Um, and yeah, even even Christian Benteke looks like he's getting back to the form that he showed when he first came into the league. So it's a really really good job. Uh, they should probably have more points than they do. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll be happy with their start, and they'll be more than confident that they'll go on and, and have a, a nice season in mid-table, perhaps especially for the top half and that would be a, a really good year for Palace uh, Wolves, again, really impressive I think after three games, when they've lost three games, everybody was saying how well they were playing should have beaten Manchester United, should have beaten Leicester in, in the first three games so the football was always good you can see how large it has transformed the style already um, the partnership up front between Huang and, and Jimenez looks like it's really developing uh, yes, in the, I think Jimenez has assisted Huang twice already, maybe three times, and um, he he also assisted him last night. Although it was was pulled back for an offside, so they they're really building some chemistry, uh, and with um, Podence and Neto and Traore all to come in at some point, I think that they're they're really strong in attack, and, and that midfield of of Neves and Moutinho is so solid and dependable. Um, yeah, I'd be really impressed with them. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna tip this one to be a good game to watch. There's gonna be goals, I think, at both ends. I'm gonna go two two uh and sit on the fence, but I think it's gonna be a really good game. That's definitely one I'm looking forward to this weekend. Um from my perspective, Crystal Palace, you mentioned it towards the end there. They've they've been really unlucky um in terms of just results. Maybe the Brighton of last season where they're playing well but the you know, come the end of the ninety minutes they don't necessarily get the three points every single time. But I've been very impressed with them this season. And maybe I was a season early because they were our unofficial official um, team of the season last season for this podcast and I did abandon them and I promise Norwich I'm not going to abandon you this season um, but yeah Crystal Palace I, 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 I'm going to say I called it but maybe I called it a season too early um, they've, they've been playing well it's been really fun to see them Wolves have been interesting um, obviously in, in terms of beginning of the season you mentioned some of those results even the Spurs game I thought they they had so many chances to win that game, and, and I was, I, I'm sure they must have been really frustrated to not have started the season a lot better than they they did. But at least now they're starting to get the results on the board. I think Huang is really benefiting from a lot of the attention that Jimenez does draw, and it, it's just been a really really good um, pairing for them. I, I think they they play off each other so well. Um, Jimenez is, is looks like he's enjoying his football again. He's got that freedom more to roam. It, it seems in the system, and and I think that's breathed um, new life into his game. It's been really fun to see. And then they've got the solid foundation from the back going forward. So yeah, this is this is a game that I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on. And in terms of 
you know, because it's one of those games that's going to be at three o'clock in the UK, we don't get the benefit of these games being on TV, the ones at three o'clock, but it's not an issue if you are signed up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. Um, they have an awesome VPN package, which features, you know, it has features including privacy and security. You can hide your IP address from anyone, e.g. hackers, by encrypting your internet traffic. You can avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. And then obviously get their packages where you get any um, TV channels from around the world. So, you know, you got your South African TV in there. You got your US TV, which I use a lot for my NFL. I won't speak about one of my NFL leagues that I'm in, my fantasy leagues, because it's going horribly. But in my other one, I could make the playoffs and I'm always watching NFL stuff on my Liberty Shield. So huge thank you to them. Also, this podcast is presented by EPLindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. And if you are a fan of EPLindex.com, then you definitely know Jake Jackman because he has a lot of awesome content that goes up on there. I'm sure you're going to have one coming up for the impending Newcastle manager if if they do bring them in as you've predicted but Jake before we you know get on to the halfway point of this podcast let me just give my prediction quickly for Crystal Palace versus Wolves I'm going to go with you on a 2-2 um, I, I, I think sitting on the fence is a good shot for this game I do think it's going to be a really fun one and I, I hope that it lives up to the bill but Speaking of living up to the bill, it's time for Bank It or Burn It, uh, the game show that developed last season. We had our champion, Jodie McInnes. Uh, she won a, a, a playoff in the finals where her and Alex Letizia had the same score throughout the season. So they had kind of like a grand finale episode and sort of a face-off podcast. And, and Jodie came up on top there. But this season, obviously, brand new trophy up for grabs. How are you feeling about your Banker or Burnett season? We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you you started off being the leader on Banker or Burnett and you kind of got pipped towards the end. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm, you know, like the one of the pace setters in the marathon. <laughs> I feel like I sort of I sort of put the score on the board for others to beat, but I'm uh, that's all I'm really there for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a target to beat i don't go on and, and finish the job so yeah i hope this year will be different awesome stuff um and for those of you that are joining us for the first time first and foremost welcome secondly uh banker or burn it works like this i'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock and jake is going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out um, so I'll read out each question and Jake will shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen or he'll shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen. Now, obviously haven't played this game yet this season. I'm hoping I'm not rusty because we want to we want to give the pace setter here a, a really good score to kind of set the standard for the season. But it's going to be the games that we've just spoken about. So Southampton, Aston Villa, Man United, Man City. Brentford Norwich, Chelsea Burnley, and Crystal Palace Wolves. The five questions are A is possession 55 45 to the home team, B is over three offsides, C is under 20 clearances, D headed goal, and E knee slide goal celebration. So that's knee slide goal celebration to start off our season for that bonus question. Um, Jake, you ready to go? 
Yep, ready to go. All right, cool. So we'll start off with Southampton versus Aston Villa, and your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Bank it. Over three offsides. Bank it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it towards the end there. And we did it with time to spare. This is this is a great start. This is a very good start um, to our season of Bank It or Burn It. We'll move on to the Manchester Derby. Man United versus Man City. Now, I'm looking at that possession one. And it will be interesting based on the discussion we had, which Man United turns up for this game and, and how that affects that um, possession one. But let, let's see how Jake gets on with this one. And guys, a reminder, if you do play at home, um, you can tweet at us at a tad predictable how your, you know, what your predictions are for all of these games. And, and yeah, so Man United versus Man City, your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Burn it. Over three offsides. Burn it. Under 20 clearances. Bank it. Header goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, nice. Who who did you have in mind with the knee slide? Or just the volume of goals? Is... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, could see, I could see Phil Foden doing a little knee slide. Oh, shot. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was picturing Ronaldo, actually. When you... Oh, no, he does oh, the whole C thing. Yeah, Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he won't be doing that. Ah, no time for knee slides and it is it is quite rainy in the uk at the moment so that might be playing a factor as well but we'll move on to brentford versus norwich the promoted sides your time starts now possession 55 45 to the home team burn it over three offsides bank it under 20 clearances burn it head a goal burn it Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, only one bank it. Wow, you see, I have to predict that for a nil-nil. So I played oh, through my fair. prediction. Fair, but fair. They can't be a headed go and they can't be a knee slide. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I like that you've, you've thought this through now. You can see that the the tactical side of Bank It or Burn It has crept its way into the game. I remember how free-flowing people were at the beginning but then after seeing that trophy, I've, I've, I've gotten messages of people saying they're taking it a lot more seriously this season. Um, Chelsea certainly are taking this season quite seriously. Let's see how you think this game's going to go. So Chelsea versus Burnley, your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Bank it. Over three offsides. Burn it. Under 20 clearances. Bank it. Head a goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Ah, interesting. You've flipped it. You've now gone with one Burnet for that one. Um, yeah. I mean, Burnley and Chelsea ahead of goal. That 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 seems to be quite logical. Uh, I'm in favour of that one. Uh, we end off with Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Your time starts now. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Bank it. Over three offsides. Burn it. Under 20 clearances. Burn it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Ooh, I was getting worried there. I was getting worried we weren't going to beat the time. But we did. And it's really cool because, Jake, if I remember correctly, your leading score, your pace setting score last season 
we didn't get through all 20 questions, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Okay, so there could be an asterisk to that title. Don't let Jody hear that. But um, we will move on. We'll see how Jake gets on with his bank. It'll burn it. We will reveal his score in next week's episode. Um, so stay tuned for that one. And as we said, if you did play along, tweet at ATADPredictable um, what what your predictions were for each of the games. But Jake, we move on to Brighton versus Newcastle. You know, just just a small, small insignificant game for Newcastle. Um, it, it's it's not like much is riding on the season, hey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to be fair, I, I'm probably a lot less worried about relegation now than I was when I last came on, which might seem strange because we're still without a win. But, you know, whereas before relegation might have seen the end of the world, uh, I think that after the takeover, the amount of money that Newcastle have to call upon and the, yep, and just the, the disposal of Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce means that if we did go down, I think we'd be absolutely fine in coming back up. So it delay things, but I'm not, it wouldn't be the end of the world where it might have been before. So, um, yeah, not too worried about that. And uh, although we're in a bad position, uh, I think there's still plenty of time. And it's not irretrievable yet. Um, they just need to get, make sure they get the manager right pick up some good points over the next few weeks. I think we've got next three home games at Brentford, Burnley and Norwich. So, you know, if you win those three home games, you're you're well on your way to climbing that table. So I think that's definitely going to be the target. Um, but the fact we are over, I think we're five or six points off coming out of the relegation zone, so we can't really be writing off this game against Brighton either. Um, regardless of how good they may be, we need to go down there and try and win. Uh, and we may have a new manager. Uh, that sort of the, the speculation today... Um, is that they've decided on uh, Unai Emery to be the new manager and that, that they expect that to be done before Brighton. So he may be there. Uh, the Spanish press are, are less positive on him becoming the new Newcastle manager, but there's a lot of um, reliable journalists in the UK reporting it. So there definitely seems to be something in it. Um, uh, and yeah, so if he did come in, I think he'd definitely be the type of coach that could could get an instant reaction, but also build the club longer term. So that would be quite an exciting one if we did manage to get him in. Um, so hopefully that's done by the weekend and then we'll have a, a new manager in place and hopefully the, the just the fact of having a new manager there will, will it boost performance levels and, and we might be able to get a shock result. I will, this will be the uh, the first uh, away game I go to since the, uh, since the pandemic, so I'll be going to Brighton. So I'm hoping that my presence will be enough to see the, see us pick up our first one of the season. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to predict the Newcastle win because I'm, uh, I can't predict them to lose and I feel that yeah, I've got got to be positive. If I'm not positive, nobody else will be. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a two-one Newcastle win, and I think we're gonna see Callum Wilson get on the score sheet. And yeah, I'm pretty confident about that. I think that Brighton, although they're very good, I think their style suits playing the better teams more. And I think playing against a team that is gonna let them have more of the ball and play them on the counter attack might work quite well. Um, we thought they, I think they drew to Norwich didn't they a couple of weeks ago? So struggled in that game. Struggled against Crystal Palace last year. We saw uh, Crystal Palace sort of have about thirty percent of the ball in their two games, and Palace won both times. So definitely the 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 lesser teams in the league seem to do better against Brighton. So yeah, I'm going to tip Newcastle to get a win this weekend. And yeah, if we do have Emery in charge, it'll be a good way to start off the start off his time. Um, and the last three managers to to take over at Newcastle while we've been in the releg- relegation zone were. 
Kevin Keegan, Sibobi Robson and Rafa Benita. So yeah, those three wow. all went on to have massive successes. So yeah, it it it's written for this to, to go well for whoever comes in. Looks like it's going to be Emery, but yeah, it's not 100% yet, so it may be somebody different. But yeah, hopefully it will be. That would be exciting stuff. And look, if Newcastle win this weekend, you kind of have to go to every game. You do know that. Yeah, I don't think my bank balance would allow that. <laughs> we'll sp- we'll speak we'll speak to the Newcastle owners. I'm sure they can spare yeah. a ticket. I'm sure they can I'm spare sure a they, ticket. I'm sure they could. <laughs> yeah, but look, excited for you going to the game, and I, I do hope Newcastle put on a performance for you. Um, as you say, this is a really good game to be playing Brighton in terms of, as you said. Them on the counter-attack against, especially Liverpool, with Henderson in the six. And, and, and don't get me started on that. And we'll discuss Liverpool a bit later on. But I think this game does suit um, Newcastle a bit more, where you guys do get to play on the counter-attack. Brighton have a little bit more of the ball. They don't necessarily get to do that explosive counter-attack in football that we saw against Liverpool. And, and we'll see how they navigate that. Unai Emery coming in would be fantastic in my opinion, but short term and long term. Um, the only thing that I was worried about was how do you go with two managers that are that could potentially be hired, and you have Eddie Howe on one side and Unai Emery on the other. They seem I, I don't get how you get to those two. Like what 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 were you looking for that those two ended up being the you know the same the, the candidates at the same time? But but. That's probably another whole podcast on its own. Um, in terms of this game, yeah, you know what? You're going to the game. You said 2-1. I'm going to go 2-1 as well because I just want to keep the good times rolling. And I think that it's it it, it throws positive vibes out there if we're both predicting the same score. So 2-1 Newcastle, hopefully they do it. Keeping Callum Wilson uh, injury-free during this period that you've mentioned where the games are a little bit more favorable i think is important because you've got to get those points in the bank um you don't want to be dropping off too much from as you said about six points behind leeds and watford and aston villa at the moment you want to keep that gap relatively close if not closing it a little bit more but we'll move on to one of those teams I mentioned in Watford. They travel to the Emirates Stadium against an Arsenal side who have been one of the informed sides so far, you know, over the last couple of games. Um, you know, Arteta has turned things around, or or has he? Um, the results certainly say so. Do the performances back that up as well? And then also, what did you make of... Um, Watford with uh, Ranieri coming in. Yeah, I think Arsenal have they've definitely shown improvements um, in terms of the way that they're, they're controlling games and they aren't conceding so many chances. But I don't think they're quite as good as their results have been. I think they were fortunate to to get a point against Brighton a few weeks ago. I think they were very fortunate to win two 0 against Leicester. They definitely started very well in that game, but Leicester had the better chances as the game went on, and it was a, a Wonder save from Aaron Ramsdale. Um, who I think he had to make seven or eight saves in the game. So it shows you how busy he was. Um, see, I'm not. I don't think they've totally got things sorted, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. Um, I think this is a good game for them to sort of continue their good form. I think that Watford, um, they're a little bit of a, a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Uh, when I saw them play Newcastle, I think 
we we created five or six clear cut chances that game. We definitely should have beaten Watford. I've seen that in other games as well. We saw Liverpool sort of kept tearing through them. Um, I think the, the Everton win is maybe a an isolated incident because Everton completely fell apart. Um, but they've got the players. Watford have definitely got the attacking players. If you give them chances, they they will score goals. I just, I don't have that much confidence in them defensively. I think Arsenal are going to control the game. Um, and I think they'll create enough chances to win it. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally in on the Arsenal defence yet, so I'll, I'll go two one in this one. But I think Arsenal will win it. Yeah, and and that would continue Arsenal's confident form that they're producing. As you say, not necessarily the most amazing football. Not necessarily. I, I, I also still don't feel confident in you know relative to the results that they are getting. Um, I think it also favours Ramsdale in, in having games where he's having to face a lot of shots. The issue for me with him would come in where, as a bigger club, so against like a Watford where he's not going to be peppered in goal, he doesn't get to get his eye in, he's just going to be asked to make one or two big saves in, in really key moments. And I don't know if he does that in this game. I'm going to go with the 1-1. I do think that Ranieri is going to have the team set up um, to frustrate Arsenal quite a bit. They'll keep it tight at the back and try and break on Arsenal a little bit. Um, not many chances for Watford in this game, but enough to cause Arsenal a problem. So I'm, I'm going to go with the 1-1 in this one. Um, I suppose fantasy players will be screaming that Saar will be involved in that goal in, in some way or fashion, whether scoring it or assisting it. But from Arsenal's perspective... If I'm an Arsenal fan, I, I wouldn't care that we're not necessarily playing well. As long as the results keep going, you know, in their favour, the pretty football can come at a later stage. Let's just look at getting points on the board at the moment, um, especially after the pressure that Arteta was in. This would give him a bit of breathing room to then maybe look to try and play um, maybe a more favourable style of football. But it, it was important just to give him a little bit of breathing room with this form. Um, and, and speaking of breathing room, these are two clubs that at the beginning of the season had breathing room, but find themselves in ninth and 10th place. I'm talking about Everton versus Tottenham. Jake, these clubs look decent at the start of the season. Um, not so much at the moment. Obviously, the big news for Spurs, getting rid of Nuna, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, bringing in Antonio Conte, who undoubtedly is one of the most talented managers in world football. I, I don't know many people that would dispute that. But what do you think of this first game? I, I suppose he, he may be in charge in their Thursday game, but in terms of a Premier League game, uh, Conte's first game in charge of Tottenham, it, is this the game that, that kind of helps him a little bit in, in coming up against a not-so-informed Everton side, but bearing in mind it's a Rafa Benitez coach Everton side? Yeah, it's in, both these clubs are at quite an interesting crossroads. I think for Everton, uh, I I think Rafferty is a very good manager. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think people would be surprised to hear that. So their recent run of form, I think, um, there's probably been some errors made by Benitez. I think he still gets to know the squad. Um, I, his Newcastle teams always came on better in the second half of the season every single year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Everton come on strong later in the year. But I think they'd be definitely helped by injuries. Uh, Decore. Richarlison, DCL, you know, they're probably their three best players and they've all had had spells on the sidelines. Richarlison's back now, but he's all getting back to full fitness. 
And when you don't have those three in the team, it does look like quite an average team. Um, you know, I think the their defenders uh, are sort of aging, and 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 none of them have really ever stood up as as quality top top eight defenders. You know, Michael Keane makes a lot of errors. Yuri Mina uh, the same. I think Beg Gordon, Godfrey's got a lot of talent and potential, and, and he'll be one that benefits from working with Benitez. But he's he's still very raw. Um, and and in the midfield, I think Alan is very good. Decore is very good. Damari Gray and Townsend had very good starts to the season, but they're still you know n- nothing more than mid-table Premier League players. They've yet to show that on a consistent basis. So if they if they perform to the level they have been for for a whole season, maybe I'll reevaluate that. But there's always going to be you know drops of form in in those in those players. Um, and yeah, I think they they are missing uh, up, up top. I think Richardson is, is is there now, but he's always played better when DCR's been alongside him. And I think Rondon. He doesn't look like the same player he was when he was at, at Newcastle. He was he was excellent for that sort of year under Benitez, but he's gone away to China and he seems to have lost a yard of pace. He doesn't look as, as fit. He's, he's turning a lot slower. And yeah, he's not as effective anymore. So um, it's difficult. I think Everton are a work in progress. I think if they gave, I think if they gave Benitez two or three years, I think he would get them competing very well in the Premier League. I just don't think that he'll get that time. I think. <laughs> I could see him maybe lasting a season, maybe less than that, if they keep losing matches. I don't think it'll be long before they, they want him to to lose his job. Um, so yeah, it's quite a big game for him in that respect. He can't really afford another loss, but it's tough coming up against Conte in his first game. Uh, Conte's a coach that's never really taken on teams mid-season, so I'm interested to see how that works out. Um, I think that Tottenham have uh, have the players to sort of play his, his 3-5-2, 3-4-2-1 formation that you're so successful at. Chelsea and uh, Inter Milan, but it takes time to coach that style. Um, it's definitely more beneficial to have the preseason doing that. So uh, I'm fascinated to see how it gets on there. I think there's definitely going to be a step up in intensity. I think Tottenham have been quite slow and ponderous at times this season. I don't think they have a, a work rate that matches the top three teams. So yeah, I definitely think that's going to change. That's for for all you know the the good tactical coaching you'll get from Conte. You'll definitely get an increase in work rate. He won't he won't accept anything less. Um, and he's very good at getting the best out of pretty average players. You know, if you look at his Chelsea team, Victor Moses was a big part of that. Uh, you go on to his Inter Milan team, he had Ashley Young, uh, Victor Moses again, Matteo Damian, Alexis Sanchez, when he was sort of on quite a downwards curve. He got the best out of those players. So he's good at getting the best out of quite limited players. So, you know, you look at that Tottenham team and in, I can definitely see him unlocking a lot more in, in the type, in the likes of Ndombele, um, so I think he, he'll probably get Kane back to his best. I think Lukaku's spoken about how important Conte was in his sort of resurgence to form. Um, so, yeah, I think um, they'll all benefit. But I think a lot of, there'll be players there that people won't even be thinking about now that they're going to go on and become very important. I could see Ben Davis doing very well under uh, Antonio Conte. I could see Matt Doherty maybe playing a role um, and, and developing a little bit. So I could definitely see play. I think there'll be a lot of players... Um, that you expect to do that well that will but Conte is one that you either sink or swim so there'll be players that are in the team now that people might think oh he's he's definitely going to be a, an important player under Conte but that might not be the case Conte is very much a you know you do it my way or you won't do it at all uh, and there'll be players there that perhaps are more limited players um, but they will do it that way and they'll get games done so I'm interested to see how it all shakes out I think that players now have two months to play for their place uh, Conte is not going to be shy and asking for for transfer, 
um, money uh, in January, and I think that I'm pretty sure that must have been one of the the criteria and had taken the job. He must have got promises that he would be allowed to spend money. So um, it's going to be an important couple of months for Tottenham. I think their fixtures are quite good over the next couple of months. So I think we're definitely going to see an upturn in form. Uh, and fourth place, I think, is there for them. I, I think that Leicester look out for Manchester United under Solskjaer are always going to have um, poor results. Um, Arsenal, although they're improving, they don't strike as a top four team. So by getting content now, they've given themselves a great chance. And yeah, this weekend, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, I'm probably going to tip a Tottenham win just because I think they will get that bit of a bounce. So yeah, I'm going to go 2 0 to Tottenham. But yeah, I think it's going to be a, a slow process for them. And I think that Conte's got a, a lot of work to do um, there. Yep, um, quite a lot of work to do for him. Um, just quickly on Everton, you do mention the fact that second half of the season is probably where they're, they're going to get the majority of their points and they're coming up. It's unfortunate timing for them because if, if Nuno stays in another week, they're probably you know looking at this one thinking we could probably get something from this game. But now with Conte coming in, the bounce of that new manager coming in and, and maybe just the freedom that the players will have um, and I say that loosely because we know Conte is quite a tactical manager, but so early on, I don't think he's going to want to flood the players with too much tactical information. Um, just just let them play, just you know, after being quite restricted under Nuno. Um, from in terms of a hiring perspective, I I think it, it's a no brainer for Conte. And maybe this is a pessimistic view of it. I, I think he probably looked at it and said, well, I definitely wasn't going to come in the summer. Or, you know, promises weren't kept. Um, they weren't willing to meet my demands. But now Spurs are kind of desperate. Um, so they're going to be more willing to listen to what he has to say. And then also for Conte's sake, um, it's not a long-term contract. He can come into a club if, if it, if it, blows up and it's a disaster i'm pretty sure no one's going to be like oh this is definitely contest well they're going to look at spurs and say um you had conte and you couldn't make it work that's on you um so i think he's got a bit less of of, of pressure especially for a manager of his caliber coming into this you know you know into this role i think he's kind of got a free hit here in my opinion um if he does well he you know and you know he's shown he does well when he when he does go to clubs then perfect if he doesn't do well he can just turn around and say well that that was spurs um you you know what i usually do they they just didn't allow me to do it um for spurs fans i don't think they should care either way um you you could not have picked a better manager i don't think you're going to get a jürgen klopp i don't think you're going to get a pep guardiola unfortunately their profile of clubs that they go to doesn't quite match spurs but uh, you know apart from those two managers looking in world football conte you probably he's probably next on the list of managers that you want um more so managers that are available at the moment so i, th I think they've struck gold just enjoy the ride hopefully you know, it, it, it results in some trophies as well. For this game, as I said, I think the players will play with a bit more freedom. Um, and unfortunately for Everton fans, this is just the wrong time to be playing Tottenham. I, I think the players are going to want to make a statement. And more so, you know, just from a pride perspective, after the performance that came in that Man United game, not getting a shot on target, they got to try and course correct that at the very least. So once again, not a good time for Everton. Sorry, your score for this one, Jake? 
Two nil Spurs, I think. Two nil. Two nil Spurs. I'm gonna go three one Spurs. Um, I I think defensively they will still get undone by a goal just because of the excitement that they'll have. They might just forget some of their defensive responsibilities, and we can't forget that this is still a Spurs defense that has been leaking a lot of goals this season. Um, and and I don't see that changing just yet. Maybe in the future they're going to be a lot harder to beat. But off the bat, I think there might be some some teething problems. And for just on that Damari Gray, Andrew Townsend, you know, um, thought process that you had, I agree with you in terms of their very streaky players. I think if you're Everton, you're just hoping they both don't have their purple patch at the same time, and they kind of counterbalance each other, um, and you can kind of ride a single purple patch between the two of them for the whole season. And, and that should steer you in good light. But um, we'll speak of a season long purple patch from the team that comes up next. It's Leeds United. They fared a lot better last season as newcomers to the Premier League compared to what's happening this season. They're currently on 10 points in 17th place. They come up against another side who had a good season last season, but not so much this season in Leicester. They've got 14 points. They're sitting in 11th place. Obviously, last week, they get that 2-0 loss to Arsenal. Uh, it, who who does this game favor a bit more? Both these teams aren't really in good form. Yeah, they're not. I think that Leicester will be... You know, they, they showed a little bit of form um, prior to that. Um, that speak to Arsenal, I thought they were slowly getting back to it. Um, and yeah, Leeds... Just haven't really lived themselves this year. Um, they, they, you know, they beat Norwich, but everybody else has been doing that this season anyway. Um, I want to see it from Leeds more often um, before I'm gonna properly get in on them. So yeah, I, st- I still think Leicester for this one. I think that um, I didn't think their performance was that bad against Arsenal. Um, they, they started the game poorly, but they definitely came on. Str- uh, they, they came on a lot better as the game went on and created a lot of good chances and, and then. Dakar and Iheanacho and Vardy, they're going to score goals. And I think this Leeds team still look capable of keeping clean sheets at the moment. I think that they're not as well balanced as uh, Leicester are. And I think that over 90 minutes, Leicester should have too much for them uh, in midfield and, and in the forward areas. Um, and and it, I'm not sure if Bamford is going to be back. I don't think he is going to be back for this one. So yeah, without him, they they look to be lacking that sort of presser from the front and, it, and it's really costing them. So yeah, I'm going to go Leicester 2-1. Leeds getting a goal but yeah I don't think they'll have enough to win I think Leicester will get the three points probably that customary Rafinha goal that he seems to be getting of late Um, I'm going to go with the 1-0 Leicester win Uh, I don't think Rafinha gets that customary goal that I've just spoken about I think Leicester they've got a midweek game as well which may factor into this game and, and maybe then that helps Leeds out a little bit more but I think there's just just going to be enough from Leicester in this one in terms of keeping it solid at the back and, and then finding you know a way to unlock a lead side that has been quite leaky this season. Um, Jake, we move on to our last game of the weekend, which is another game that I think could be quite a tasty one because we've got a very, very informed West Ham with, in my opinion, manager of the season so far, David Moyes. Um, I don't know if you share those sentiments, but uh, definitely a, an informed West Ham side against a Liverpool side who 
sort of collapsed <laughs> in their last game against Brighton. They looked really, really good for the first 20 minutes. And then, you know, they they just, yeah, lost the plot, it seemed. What do you make of this game ending off a really, really good weekend? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it as a neutral. West Ham has definitely been very good this year. Uh, and I think they're the, the one team that could could uh, go against the Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City and come out with a win deservedly and, and probably go for it. They, they're so well balanced. They're so well drilled. Um, you know, David Moyes is, has been an excellent manager, definitely a, a contender for manager of the season so far. Still a long way to go. But yeah, um, you know, we saw them against City in the in the Carabao Cup. Um, they knocked them out of that competition, albeit on penalties. But, you know, they changed quite a few of their team for that game. And uh, yeah, I just think they're, they're so well balanced. They're pretty much true in the Europa League. So I'm sure they'll rest a lot of players ahead of the weekend. And um, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool I mean, they have been very good this year. The only thing with them is that they, they do look a little bit shaky at the back sometimes. Even in that game with Watford, you know, Watford had a couple of chances at the end. It could, they could easily have, have scored a goal. Uh, Manchester United, likewise, probably should have scored in that sort of 5-0 um, game. They had a couple of good chances. So, yeah, they still look a little bit vulnerable at the back. And, and I, Van Dyke, well, he's... he's you know, getting back to his best, he won't be relishing the the, the thought of going up against Mikel Antonio. He's so threatening in his movement, his strength, his power. He's such a difficult striker to deal with. And yeah, I, I'm. I think I'm going to go for the for win two one. I think they'll just have enough, but I think it could go any three results. This one, it could be anything, uh, and it really wouldn't surprise me if West Ham got something from the game. But yeah, I'll, I'll tip a two one, two one to Liverpool. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um... If any of those, you know, if any of the three possible results happens from a West Ham perspective, I think it's a great game for them to come in without too much pressure. Um, they're sitting very, very comfortably in the table where if they lose the game, I think they still would probably be in fourth place um, just on goal difference because Man United are on plus four, they're on plus nine, Arsenal on minus one. So it, it would take quite a turnaround on, you know, two sets of fixtures for West Ham to lose that fourth spot. So they kind of got a free hit on this one. As you say, comfortable in Europe so they can rest players, really focus on causing an upset in this game against the Liverpool side who, first and foremost, um, I think the, 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 the defensive issues, for me, it's more to do with when Henderson plays as the six because defensively he he doesn't know what to do as a six he he doesn't appreciate when to you know cut off runners or which runners to track or which moves to sort of just stop at at the the, the instance where you just take a file take a yellow card um just so you stop an attacking team going forward and we saw that to devastating effect against brighton i think they capitalized on that if you watch that game back you'll notice they were targeting the space just in behind Henderson and on either side of Henderson because that that's what you got to target if you're playing Liverpool and Henderson's playing as the six um, maybe I won't say it too loudly as a Liverpool fan hopefully no one pays attention to that but yeah he just doesn't have and and it's not his fault because that's not his game in my opinion um, but the issue again also with Henderson is 
he's due and and you you don't wish an injury on any player but Henderson can't be playing you know 120 minutes every time he gets over 110 minutes um, in terms of chronic load for Liverpool eight of the nine times I think Simon Brundish has mentioned Henderson gets injured and at the moment he's currently on about 115 minutes of chronic load so he's I hope he doesn't play in Liverpool's midweek game this week because if he does God forbid, but he he's due an injury. Um, Liverpool need to rotate that midfield a little bit more. They started rotating at the beginning of the season, and then they've kind of stopped rotating. The front four is rotating perfectly, so that's fine. The midfield has not been rotated enough, and that's where a lot of their injuries have started coming. Um, you know, some of it is unlucky. Harvey Elliott, you you know, it's a horrid tackle, and and then Fabinho getting injured as well. Thiago getting injured. But Klopp had Oxlade-Chamberlain to rotate in there. He didn't do it enough. So the worries for Liverpool defensively, I don't think, are in their defence. I think it's actually in the midfield and either trusting midfielders in rotating them, that that's going to be on Klopp to do that, or giving them the support um, in terms of if you're going to play Henderson in the six, you need the likes of Van Dijk, etc., talking to him throughout the game to make him aware of some of the weaknesses that, that he does have in his game defensively. Offensively, obviously, he still brings a lot. We saw the goal that he scored. You take nothing away from that. That was a fantastic goal. But yeah, defensively, it, it's not that great. Um, so yeah, if you're a Liverpool fan, you're hoping Henderson doesn't play midweek. Um, just to rest him a little bit so that he can bring that chronic load down to allow him to then play in this West Ham game and then trying to build up Thiago and Fabinho. They're coming back from injury. If you're a West Ham fan, you're hoping that Liverpool rest Henderson in this one and play Fabinho. I mean, that they play Henderson in this game and, you know, play Fabinho in the midweek game um, because... Then I think Antonio, Ben Rama, Bowen, those type of players are really going to enjoy causing problems for Liverpool's defence without having that shield in front of them. So yeah, if Fabinho plays, I'm confident Liverpool can win this one. I'm, I'm going to go with the 2-1. But if Henderson plays as the 6, I'm, I'm going to flip the score and I'm going to say... Well, Liverpool haven't lost yet this season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. So I'm gonna say, yeah, it's gonna depend on who's playing the six for Liverpool. If Fabinho plays, I'm going two one to Liverpool. If Henderson plays the six, I'm going two one to West Ham. So I'm kind of flipping my score there based on who's playing in that midfield role. And I've spoken way too much there, um, but I need, I, I, I needed to get that out. As I said, I haven't been on the podcast for quite a while needed to express my Liverpool thoughts there but Jake that's going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote or any last thoughts on on that last game um, no I think you covered it very well <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it there before I ruin that <laughs> but no I'm you can get all my stuff on EPL Index. Uh, I'm I'm going to be on the EPL Roundtable podcast this weekend as well after the Newcastle Brighton game. So hopefully I'll be on there saying how great my two uh, one prediction was. But uh, we'll we'll wait and see. <laughs> but yeah, anything I do, I'll, I'll I'll plug on my Twitter feed. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jack with two ends if you want to give me a follow over there. 
awesome stuff uh if you're still here thank you for listening to my monologue um from my end go ahead and check out all the content on epl index website as jake said lots of content from him lots of content from other awesome writers we've got previews post-match reviews player performances and all of the news that you could wish for you know if you want to keep in check with all the manager merry-go-round and all of that stuff go to eplindex.com of course there's the daily podcast show the two-footer podcast with dave hendrick thank you to him and for, to our executive producer guy for holding the fort for me whilst i was away uh finally check out the flagship show that runs weekly the epl roundtable with kev devries he sits down with panelists from respective epl teams reviewing and previewing the happenings around the epl jake is a regular on that show i, I think you still are a regular jake Yes, yes, I am. I'll be on this weekend. I'll be, oh, I'll, be awesome. on, I'll be on Sunday show. So yeah. Okay, so definitely, guys. Um, if you want a double dose of Jake, and who doesn't, um, definitely have a listen to that one as he celebrates a Newcastle win. Uh, follow this show on the Twitter page at a tad predictable. Follow EPL Index at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on all of your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write some positive comments. Um, all of that good stuff really, really helps us out. Go sign up for the free season predictions competition. That's at eplindex.com stroke predictions. And you stand a chance to win. All you have to do is get your game week predictions in at eplindex.com stroke predictions each week. If you top the leaderboard come the end of the 2021-2022 EPL season, you stand a chance to win a £100 voucher for EPL Index Shop. Um, they're constantly adding products uh, on, onto that website. So there's definitely stuff that you can buy. And then you can also win a £300 cash prize from our awesome sponsors, Liberty Shield. So a huge thank you to Liberty Shield VPN for that. I've been Tidiwa Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. The lovely lady that does our guest intros, our defending champion for Banker or Burnett, uh, Jody is at Spursy141. We have a brand new intro. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA on Twitter. Our producer behind the glass. He was in front of the mic for the last couple of weeks. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Jake Jackman. That's at Jake Jackman with two N's at the end on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry. Take it away by Chino Shira. Bamford shot. Oh, brilliant. The Pogba. Oh, what a finish. Came out to Jimenez. Pick that one out. What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard. Oh, thumping finish. The champions of 2021. Sports Social Podcast Network.